At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Sowing the seeds of cannabis and sounding the praise of our favorite plants, it's time to Hemp Present. Our radio resident Hempo Sapien, Vivian McPeak, will present a weekly platform for guests and listeners to Hemp Present about hemp and cannabis from the legal, activist, and reformist route. Let's round up and roll it up for our headmaster of hemp, Vivian McPeak. Friends, I am Vivian McPeak, and this is the Hemp Present Resistance. I am the executive director of the world's largest annual cannabis policy reform event, the Seattle Hemp Fest. Speaking flower to power for 29 years and found at hempfest.org. I'm also the author of the book Protestable, a 20-year retrospective of Seattle Hemp Fest, also found at hempfest.org. This show is a weekly read for Radio Rebellion, where I speak with some of the principal risk takers, movers, and shakers, and history makers of the cannabis industry, culture, and reform movement. If you have feedback or would like to suggest a guest or topic for Hempresent, email me at hempresent at gmail.com. Today's guest on Hempresent is Jason Lammers. Global population growth has heightened humanity's need to master waste reduction, and manufacturers are starting to search for more sustainable materials to use in the packaging of products. One of the more pressing waste-related issues is the pervasive use of single-use plastics. Single-use or disposable plastics are used only one time before being discarded or recycled. Commonly used items such as plastic straws, soda, and water bottles. Uh, Most food packaging adds to humans producing over 300 million tons of plastics every year, and half of that plastic is used to make items for single use. The majority of these plastic items cannot be recycled, and it's reported that 8 million tons of plastic is dumped into our oceans annually, where these plastics break up into very small particles called microplastics. Sadly, the reforms have taken place in some states permitting retail cannabis to be sold from brick-and-mortar retail establishments has only added to the problem of single-use plastics as millions of dupe tubes and plastic packages of cannabis regularly change hands across America. And my guest is working to change some of that. Jason Lammers is the general manager at 420wholesalepack.com, the vice president of the Cannabis Alliance, and chair of the Sustainable Cannabis Committee. Jason, join me today to talk about regional efforts to address the growing problem of single-use plastics in the cannabis industry. I know I can say it. Welcome, Jason, to Cannabis Radio. Thanks for having me, Vivian. My pleasure. Um, So, Jason, things are getting pretty drastic with the plastic. Uh, How much of a problem is this single-use plastics issue? Why, Why should we care? 
Yeah, well, Vivian, uh, you actually touched on some of some of my notes that I was going to uh, touch on. You already did uh, that. That 300 million number is uh, exactly the number I had in my uh, in my notes as well. And so, 150 million tons of that plastic is, uh, as you mentioned, single use each year. Uh, so that's a huge problem. Um, that's 150 million tons of plastic that, uh, in my view, shouldn't shouldn't be used in that fashion. So. Um, we'd really like to see that uh, eliminated entirely. You know, I think plastic has applications uh, in the marketplace if it's used intelligently, but um, the single use is definitely a huge, huge issue, and not just for cannabis, but for the for the, for the entire planet. I mean, uh, every industry has this challenge right now, and it uh, should be one of the, the top issues that we're addressing, in my opinion. I mean, there's there's severe environmental ramifications, right? I mean, not only just for fish, but these plastics build up over time and and they just don't recycle back into the biosphere right yeah i mean uh traditional plastics take a thousand plus years to decompose so uh, that's a long time that's uh definitely uh something that's designed to, to last and so uh, again you know uh, fixed plastic items that you know the half half 50 percent of that that is not single-use plastic i think there's some applications there that are valid but uh if you're talking about a single-use item that's, that you're going to use for 30 minutes or less and it's going to take a thousand years to decompose, that's obviously a huge problem. I have seen alternatives to plastic dupe tubes uh, made out of cardboard, for example, like a sliding kind of telescopic uh, cardboard dupe tube. Why do so many cannabis suppliers just continue to use plastics right now? Yeah, well, so specifically regarding our joint tubes, uh, that is a really key uh, <laughs> category in our industry. Uh, we sell, uh, I, I had some headset data that I looked at a while ago showing that we sold 24 million pre-rolls in a 12-month period just in Washington state alone. And about two-thirds of those are single joints uh, sold, if not more. And so you're looking at about 16, 17 million single joints sold in our state each year. And traditionally, that means 16 to 17 million plastic tubes that, again, are used one time to contain that joint. It's smoked and then it's thrown in the landfill. Uh, so there's some pretty big numbers that need to be addressed and um, so we're definitely um, you know looking we've been looking at all of those uh, potential solutions out there you mentioned the paper tubes um, those are uh, a nice alternative but there are some challenges with that um, most notably if uh, your paper products aren't going to typically have the same barrier protection as a plastic tube would uh, it also typically your plastics almost always uh, the most affordable option which is also why plastic so widely used is because of the affordability of it um, so while there may be alternatives out there that people could use, oftentimes it means they have to spend more money or potentially compromise the integrity of their products. So for a joint tube, for example, uh, if you have a paper tube uh, containing that joint tube and it doesn't sell very well, it sits on the sh shelf for a while, you run the risk of it potentially drying out a bit. And so whereas a plastic tube is going to give you better barrier, barrier protection. Um, so what we did at our company is we looked at all of these issues and tried to come up with a better uh, dupe tube. And so we got really excited about bioplastics a few years ago, but then we did some additional digging. We saw a lot of problems with that, uh, and it just really wasn't a, a scalable and viable solution for our industry quite yet. And so that's when we pivoted to recycled plastics. And while a lot of things, as I think you mentioned, aren't getting recycled, there are plastics that are being recycled, and there's quite a, quite a bit of quantity available out there. So us as a manufacturer... Uh, we looked at the idea of manufacturing a plastic dupe tube, so it still has the cost competitiveness and the barrier protection, but it also is made from recycled plastic, not virgin plastic, so we're eliminating the single use of it. So while it may not be the perfect solution, uh, it's a big step forward from what we have today. 
Um, you are on the Sustainable Cannabis Committee for the Cannabis Alliance of Washington State. Can you briefly describe the alliance and the work that you're doing on the committee? Yeah. Uh, so the Cannabis Alliance is one of the largest trade organizations in Washington State. Uh, we're a democratically elected board, and our mission statement is DAVES, which stands for Dedicated to the Advancement of a Vital, Ethical, and Sustainable Industry. Uh, and the sustainability committee that I chair started two years ago to address specifically packaging waste issues. But since then, we've expanded our scope to include uh, all areas of sustainability, including energy, water, and plant waste issues. Wow, that is, that is really awesome. Uh, you know, historically, the cannabis culture uh, presumably, you know, had a higher environmental awareness, kind of being an alternative culture uh, uh, entity. Um, or, 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 you know, demographic. Um, so it's, it's really great to see a focus on the environmental impacts of, of cannabis legalization, because uh, we know that there were already environmental impacts of the black market. And then some of those things kind of shifted into other areas with the, the legal market. Um, you have uh, been working, I assume, with state and local governments uh, to some degree, looking at the issue of single-use plastics, has there been any traction in Olympia in terms of legislation? Uh, is there any interest you think uh, from the from the state or local governments to deal with this issue of single-use single plastics? Yeah, I would say I'm seeing a lot more efforts uh, um, on from a legislative perspective. Just in the last few years, we started our. Uh, Sustainability Committee back in 2018, and, and I would say just in the couple of years we've been a part of that actively um, advocating for sustainability initiatives, we you know we've seen just the um, the overall scope of our legislators, I think, kind of start to look at this issue more, more importantly. Um, we're seeing things like bag bans that are starting to be proposed. Um, while that also is a, you know, a step in the right direction, it obviously doesn't address all of our challenges. Um, but I'm seeing more and more legislators starting to kind of talk about it in their campaigns now. We obviously have an election coming up, and I'm seeing a lot of the, the people that uh, we talk with that are actually putting it in their stump speeches, talking about sustainability and reducing single use. So, so I'm hopeful that we're starting to see a shift in the mindset uh, from that perspective. And I know one thing that we definitely saw from the LTV specifically, which is Liquor and Cannabis Board, which regulates our industry, uh, when we got some rules changed, they specifically called out the fact that they needed to do a better job going forward in thinking about things in a sustainable fashion when they are implementing rule changes uh, or additional new rules so that they start thinking about it from the lens of sustainability as well so that that's a part of the conversation going forward. So that's so all those things I think are positive, but we obviously have a, a, a very big road, uh, uphill road ahead of us to get it all done. Right. Well, that's reassuring that at least there's a change in focus and, and this issue is being identified as something that needs to be addressed. Um, I'm just curious if you have any ideas on what the consumer might be able to do in order to decrease the amount of single-use plastics in, in retail cannabis. Uh, any idea or feeling on what resources might be available to customers who'd rather not contribute to the problem other than just you know, paying attention to their buying habits? Well, I mean, I think that's probably the biggest one right there is 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 understanding, you know, the who you who you are purchasing from, uh, because obviously, I think we have at least still three or four hundred uh, producer processors in our state uh, making cannabis, and some of them are are pretty sustainably focused and doing the best they can with the tools that they have, and others clearly aren't. And so, I think um, just like anything, I think purchasing decisions is a pretty big driver of change, and so. I think if we see, you know, more and more consumer demand, people asking for more sustainable solutions, 
um, then I think that that is a, a pretty powerful tool that a consumer can use and, and go in and ask questions of the store, you know, find out, you know, if they're um, a sustainably focused company, if you don't know that, know that. And because uh, there definitely are ones out there that I, I think are doing pretty impressive work. And, and again, others that, that are a little bit too focused on the dollars and cents and not other issues. Right. Um, we have, uh, what do we have? We have a couple minutes left. Uh, before the first break, what kind of successes have you had on the committee? I, I believe you've already initiated some important rule changes. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, we lobbied the LCB to uh, address some of our packaging waste issues. We um, sat down with our committee and kind of brainstormed a bunch of ideas a few years back and tried to come up with uh, ideas that we could implement that would actually have some measurable changes. Um, part of that process was partnering with Headset, which is a local data analytics company in the cannabis space, and um, we were able to get some really powerful uh, data from our industry to effectively lobby the LCB to, to show them exact, you know, specific data points uh, as to what kind of impacts we could make with these changes. Uh, and what we were able to do is essentially um, show them that changing our bag thickness rule from a four mil bag to a two mil bag obviously reduces 50% of your thickness in the material. So you're thereby reducing half of your, your materials uh, in that bag. And uh, so by reducing it from a four to two mil thick bag, you're reducing about 40 tons of plastic per year. Uh, and that's just with cannabis flower sales in our industry. We obviously have edible sales, um, you know, infused products, stabs, other types of packaging that was a little less easy to quantify. So that 40 ton number is actually larger than that if you count everything. Uh, so it was a pretty significant uh, reduction that we were able to do. So that was a case where we actually were able to take some regulations and change them to actually significantly reduce that plastic use. Uh, we also identified that the beverage caps uh, in our industry were a big problem. Uh, those were not recyclable and oftentimes were not used. And there are many other ways to provide uh, accurate and safe dosing to consumers uh, other than by requiring an additional wasteful piece of plastic. And so we were able to uh, get that rule changed as well, so that now infused beverage makers can have hash marks uh, and instructions on the side of the bottle so that you can provide accurate dosing in that way without actually requiring an additional plastic packaging cap, like a little NyQuil cap or something. Um, the headset information we got on our beverage industry showed that um, we're probably looking at about 1.5 million dosing caps per year uh, in 2020 if we had got that rule changed. And that's uh, growing about 20% per year in the beverage space. So. Wow. Uh, that's a pretty significant reduction in our in our uh, dosing caps because obviously we know we now are no longer legally re required to use that product in, in beverage products. Wow, that's that's really an impressive uh, impressive win. I am talking to Jason Lammers, general manager at 420wholesalepack.com, and the vice president of the Cannabis Alliance. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. We're from our sponsors and advertisers. Come back with our second set. Time to roll out for the people that let us have present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. 
fetch your earbuds, and stay tuned for some pure pet care conversation. Hi, it's Angela Ardolino with It's a Dog's Life, and I have Hernanda Umana joining me. We're just both so fascinated with how much we've learned since we've been in this pet industry and creating an all-natural product. Because it's a dog's life. I am a huge fan of my guest today, Dr. Bob Goldstein. I have, in my experience, not seen many natural substances produce the results that CBD is producing in the animals that we are testing on. It's a Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And I'm talking to Jason Lammers, chair of the sustainable cannabis committee for the washington cannabis alliance um jason i'm just curious how much of a component to all this do you believe is the requirement for child resistant packaging for retail cannabis products yeah so child resistant uh requirements definitely uh have an impact i would say most if not all of your child resistant uh, packaging solutions out there uh, are either made of plastic or have plastic components in them um, even when I've seen some child-resistant um, printed boxes, uh, oftentimes those will have little plastic dimples in them to kind of create that tough-to-open uh, component of it. And right. so um, absolutely, the, that, that's kind of one of those tough things where there's really no realistic option where we're going to get that child-resistant removed because there's obviously concerns sure. about child safety. But um, it is also very challenging to create that child-resistant package not using plastic. Now, I have seen some um, pretty interesting box designs that people have done where, where they've eliminated the plastic use. Um, so there, there are some non-plastic CR options out there, but it is pretty limited. And I would say the vast majority of your CR options are going to be typically a, a, of a plastic nature. Yeah, it, I find it a little bit interesting because cannabis buds have to be decarboxylated. They have to be heated before they can have an intoxicating uh, effect um but but i mean clearly it's not you know we're not going to change the situation uh, with child proof packages but but you mentioned product design and i'm just curious um what kind of interesting product designs have been coming forth in terms of alternatives to single-use packaging in the cannabis industry is there anything interesting or exciting being worked on that you're aware uh, well, I mentioned earlier, we're working on a, a joint two project that's uh, going to be made from recycled plastics. So that'll be a, a really good uh, solution out there for a lot of people in the near future. Um, you know, again, I've seen a lot of hype and discussion around the bioplastic space. 
Um, while that's a kind of an exciting, um, kind of very sciencey future, I think. Biodegradable plastics. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of hype around that, um, but re I really haven't seen any viable viable pa uh, solutions for the cannabis space specifically regarding bioplastics yet. Uh, right. Some of the challenges around that is the cost. Um, typically, your bioplastics are going to be 50 to 100 percent more expensive, so um, that's a big challenge right there. But we also have a lot of kind of downstream waste issues a lot a lot of people don't think about. Uh, a lot of these bioplastics require industrial require industrial composting to actually work as advertised. And so, if a bioplastic product doesn't get in that industrial compost facility, it's not doing anybody any favors. It's going to last for a long time as well. Right. So, you can't, you can't uh, just really throw it in your. You can't just throw it in your, you know, uh, uh, compost pile. Right. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. You can't. You can't just get bioplastic dupe tubes and then throw them in your compost pile and everything's fine. And so, um, so it need it would need to any kind of solution like that would need to get to an industrial compost facility. And we've talked with our industrial composter here in Washington, and the challenge there is they typically are actually after more of the food waste and organic materials as opposed to the bioplastics. They're able to accept bioplastics, but they're not exactly after them per se. And so they partnered with some solutions in the food space. Um, one local company, Taco Time, I know, has got a really cool program where all of their packaging, I believe, is bioplastics and compostable. And so Cedar Grove picks up all that stuff from from the Taco Times, but they're really getting all that food waste as well as the plastic waste because we're obviously pretty wasteful when it comes to our food too. So that way they get the food waste, they get that in their facility with the bioplastics, and they can kind of break it all down. Um, but they really can't just accept, start accepting, you know, hundreds and thousands of tons of bioplastic with nothing else because they're ultimately making fertilizers and soils. And so they've got to have a certain blend of uh, organic material to the bioplastic. And so that, there's a lot of limitations there. Uh, and I've also seen in studies that I've looked at that companies claiming they've got rigid wall bioplastic containers um, really haven't been able to produce the actual science to prove that it actually degrades as advertised. So there's a lot of things we call greenwashing in this space, unfortunately. Yeah. Where people are making claims that are not verifiable. And so that's something to really watch out for too, is there's a lot of people that'll put a green message on it to sell it to the business to make them feel good. And then they brag about it to their customers. So the customer feels good, but at the end of the day, it hasn't solved any problems at all. So that's definitely something to be careful about. It's it's somewhat ironic because the theme of our hemp fest, virtual hemp fest that we had recently was uh, the green renaissance. And we're kind of looking at all the ways that cannabis hemp can play a role in a more sustainable uh, regenerative society. Um, you know, I mean, everything is, as you're aware of from hempcrete uh, cement uh, to its use uh, superior to graphene in uh, supercapacitor batteries. Um, and yet at the same time in recreational cannabis is generating the same kind of waste that, that we're talking about. And it really comes down to systems, the systems that we have in place, the the, the um, processing facilities, things like that, that, that we just really need to take a fundamental redesign I think of of the way we do things you think that that's that's going to be necessary to really address this pervasive issue of of, of waste in our society oh absolutely yeah I think there's definitely going to have to be some wholesale changes that are going to have to occur you know I do think that bioplastics are are an exciting future but I just don't think the science is quite there yet as right far there, as yeah. uh, from a scalability yeah. standpoint so it's definitely a, it's a it's a it's a category I'm constantly staying on top of and learning because I do think that at some point we're going to come up with some really incredible solutions there, but it's just not you know it's not uh, widely scalable at this point. And then you brought up hemp, um, you know a lot of people ask why we're not just doing hemp packaging with everything. 
Um, well, a lot of the, a lot if not most of everybody growing hemp in America right now are growing it for CBD. Right. And when you're growing for CBD, you're not producing a lot of fiber and you're, you're, you're maximizing the plant load for the flower. And yeah. so um, if you want to start creating a whole lot of fiber to create products, which is what a manufacturer like myself would need, um, then you've got to scale that up for fiber production. And there's cultivars that are much better for fiber than they are for CBD. And so, um, and I've also seen that there are some people trying to find a middle balance where they're trying to get high CBD loads, but also as much fiber as possible. So they kind of compromise. So you get a double kind of yield out of your crop. So there's a lot of that kind of going on. People are still figuring that out. Um, but we've talked with like some of the big paper companies on a national level and um, they're not able to switch over to full hemp paper if they wanted to. So if they just said, you know what, we're going to hemp and getting out of trees completely, uh, the, the supply chain's not in place. And so there's a, there's going to be some scaling we need to do there. And ultimately, I think we're going to need a lot of these hemp farmers shifted in their mindset to um, maybe start growing less for the CBD side and start looking at solutions so we can do more things like hempcrete and hemp fibers and things like that, because I also believe that's going to be a, an incredible future as well. You know, it, of course, everything comes down to economics, and I'm just curious, are there any any plans or any talks about offering business incentives or the development of less punitive tax structures that would allow smaller businesses to afford the transition into more sustainable packaging? I mean, uh, it's really about cost at the end of the day, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I say this all the time when I'm discussing the sustainability challenges is if, if you come up with a sustainable solution, but you're not cost competitive, uh, are you really a disrupting product, you know, or are you just something on the shelf that's an alternative that's 50% more money and maybe 5% of the marketplace adopts it. And so uh, being cost competitive is really important. And of course, in our industry, the fact that we have 280E structures from a tax perspective, right. the fact that we are the highest tax nation and state in the nation for ta uh, sin tax at 37%. Uh, these things all make it really tough for, for our growers and our producers to even invest in sustainable initiatives, even if they wanted to, because the margins aren't there, the tax structures are so uh, oppressive for them. And so uh, one thing that I would really like to see in the future is some sort of uh, you know tax reduction off of that 37% that's specifically structured around sustainability components. You know, and it wouldn't have to obviously be just focused around packaging. We could be incentivizing, you know, indoor growers to switch over to LED lights or solar or more sustainable packaging solutions. There's a lot of different um, great ideas I think that we could implement that would um, give some of our growers, you know, some some cost incentives to do the right thing um, and bring some of those taxes down. Um, unfortunately, now with COVID and everything going on, um, the idea of asking for any kind of tax breaks right now is a complete non-starter right. because uh, states, states are broke and uh, they're looking to raise more taxes, not less. And so while I think that's a cool idea down the road, I think unfortunately that also is probably something to we can't even probably realistically bring up for another year or two until they kind of we get through this COVID run. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's 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 a big issue, and well, it's certainly not going to go away. We'll be talking about single-use plastics the rest of our lives, uh, and and way into the future. Um, we are uh, we're going to go to another break. I'm talking to Jason Lammers, and we're going to come back and and get our final questions in. So don't go anywhere. Time to roll out for the people that let us have present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. 
Let me welcome Nick Hexum from 311. We've never heard things like your music when it first came out. It's like to mix the reggae with the punk and all of that together was just such an unusual sound and, and we loved it. We realized we're not going to copy what's on the radio. At the time, it was all grunge at what that was on the radio. And I said, let's just stick to what we know and wait for a culture to come around to us. Hey, it's Nick Hexum from 311, and you're listening to Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina on CannabisRadio.com. Let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put different celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is him pink, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint Business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Trends and technology, processes and products. We cover these areas and more on the cutting edge of cannabis. Be informed from the latest initiators of new innovation. Learn about the latest breakthroughs and best practices in the cannabis and hemp industries. Better products, better infrastructure, and better sustainability. The Cutting Edge of Cannabis, consulted by the American Cannabis Company. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we're back for our final questions for Jason Lammers. Um, Jason, I, I just want to commend you for the amazing work that you're doing. It's just, it's so important. And I'm, I'm proud of the Alliance for, uh, you know, having this committee and, and uh, addressing these issues aggressively. I'm just curious, is there anything that we haven't covered uh, so far where we still have a minute or two to talk that you'd like to add? Sure. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll just kind of touch real quickly on what the our committee is working on next. Um, you know, we did get those packaging rules changed uh, January of 2021 or 2020, and so our next uh, big target is getting our plant waste uh, rules uh, fixed. We talked we touched on that a little bit today, and uh, for those that don't know, we have rules in place that require our growers to essentially make their plant waste rendered unusable. Uh, or landfilled, essentially, which is extremely wasteful and um, just kind of a terrible policy all around. Um, Colorado is actually getting their rules changed regarding this, uh, effective January of 2021. Uh, Maine actually got it right through their legislative process uh, the first time around. So every state's got this problem other than those two I just mentioned, and we're one of them, and, but we were one of the first, and Colorado's finally getting their rules fixed as they've acknowledged it was really wasteful. Um, ultimately, that plant waste material we're talking about is your stalks, your stems, your leaves, your root balls. Um, these types of things are organic materials. Um, they test consistently below the 0.3% THC threshold. And so it's our view that we should really be not regulating the plant waste whatsoever. 
uh, and allowing our growers to um, deal with it in natural ways. Uh, and, there's a, and there's a lot of really exciting opportunities there. Um, just from a real simple perspective, you could obviously be composting this material. Um, there's also a lot of uh, potential um, economic benefits around it, though. Um, we have, you know, people in the hemp space that are very interested in root balls uh, and leaves from um, for tinctures and medicinal type purposes. So there's there's it could actually be opportunities for growers to be selling their plant material, uh, and then ultimately, if they're not, we should just be able to deal with it like any other grower would when you're dealing with plant material, right? We should be able to compost it. So um, so that's our next big target that we're going to try to get tackled here um, by 2021 or in 2021 and get those rules changed so that we can actually uh, do what we should have been doing from the start with our plant waste material. Um, and beyond that, I would just really like to encourage anybody listening to uh, get involved uh, with the Cannabis Alliance or any other organization around sustainability. If you're not a cannabis person specifically and you, you just care about sustainability and all the problems we're dealing with around that, uh, find an organization and get involved. You know, um, I got involved with the Cannabis Alliance about four years ago. And I've just been continuing to get more and more involved every year I've been a part of this group um, because I've seen the, the power that a, a good group of people uh, coming together to, to work for improving things, um, the, the power that we have when we put our heads together and work on um, shared goals. And so I would just encourage anybody to, you know, get involved, join the alliance and uh, you know, join one of our committees. You know, we've got quite a few of them involved um around a lot of issues social justice sustainability many other factors and uh, it's just a great way to you know get out get active and um start to speak up against what you see as something that bothers you jason lammers general manager at 420 wholesalepack.com vice president of the cannabis alliance and chair of the sustainable cannabis committee thanks for being on him present thanks for having me vivian you bet and i get to a weekly feature him present on cannabisradio.com that's the quote of the week it cannot be right to manufacture billions of objects that are used for a matter of minutes and then are with us for centuries. And that is English rower, environmental advocate, writer, and speaker, Roz Savage. That concludes this installment of Hemp Zone and Cannabis Radio. I want to thank Brasco, my man of the control room, and all the cannabis radio sponsors and advertisers. Join me next week for some more reefer repartee and cannabis confabulation with some special hempo sapien on our journey to justice as we silence the violence, increase the peace, and promote unity in the cannabis community with impunity because when it comes to prohibition you've got the right not to remain silent activism requires a voice find your voice and speak up for justice until then my friends stay strong stand tall and take it easy turn up the music maestro because i'm out marijuana The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. 
but nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.